head. If you brought yours, use that. We have shared so much in terms of prayer, uh, looking at the examples of prayer that David had. And we look at examples because that's one of the ways we can get better. As I've said each and every week, God does not desire prayer to be something mysterious or something that you feel is difficult. He wants you to speak to Him. He wants to know the cares of your heart, the concerns. He wants to know when you're angry and how you're feeling. I mean, He wants to know that. That's what a heavenly Father does. And so when it comes to prayer, sometimes we feel like it's this, this tricky thing. That's not God's will for you. That's not what God wants it to be. Uh, he wants it to be simple. So we look at examples of prayer. Another way that we get better at prayer is by getting into groups and to hear one another pray and to push past our own discomfort because we know on the other side of that is something better for us. When we push, every time we push past discomfort, we get to something better. We grow. And so that's one of the two ways we can grow in prayer. Well, we're looking at a prayer of prosperity that David's going to pray, especially toward the end of Psalm 144. And it's interesting, as we get to this prayer, there's not a lot of prayer in Scripture that we read that talks about prosperity. David's going to talk about some very specific physical things Uh, And we're going to talk about that in terms of prosperity. Uh, Not a lot of examples, and yet here is one. Here is one. I think when it comes to praying for prosperity, there tends to be two extremes. And, and, And really throughout church history, people have taken extremes. You know, people go to one extreme, and so other people run to the complete opposite extreme. I hope that when you leave today, you have a very healthy balance. Because when it comes to praying for prosperity... Some of us, that's all we pray for. You know, Lord, and, and it's, it, it, whatever it is, it boils down to this. Lord, give me more. It, it doesn't really matter what, where you're at in life. You just want, there's another thing you want. Lord, I, I want this now. Lord, I want this now. So it, prosperity to us, it just means like, okay, I want more. And, and that's really all we pray for. We have kind of a list And we go to God and we say, Lord, I want this and and this and this and this. And after five minutes, we're done talking to him. I'll I'll check in with you next tomorrow, God, and let you give you an update on what I've received and maybe some things I want to add to it. That's one extreme. I think another extreme is we think, well, I just, I probably shouldn't even ask God for physical things. You know, in terms of prosperity, um, maybe that's, I'm not even right to ask for those things. Um, maybe, you know, prayer is simply designed for something spiritual. So I have spiritual prayer, and that regards spiritual things. So when it comes to prosperity, physical things, my future, a better future for myself, for my family, for my church, for my country, whatever it is, we think, maybe I shouldn't pray that prayer. So it's two extremes. I think sometimes we're afraid that somehow... A prayer for prosperity, if not answered, reflects poorly on our faith. And certainly there are people out there teaching that. I I don't find that in Scripture at all. But we do wrestle with two extremes. I think we need to come together to something very healthy. And I, I think we definitely need to push past the idea that we cannot or we should not pray 
for the future, for a better future, for prosperity to take place, because here's David doing it. And as David wrote this psalm, it is a prayer, and the Lord God saw fit to include it in Scripture. And this is not the only one. There's not many, but this is not the only one. And so God wants us to know, hey, it's okay to pray for these things. So looking at Psalm 144, we begin to, I just want to look at it, I want us to see it, and then I also want to, as we've done each and every week, draw some principles, draw some truths that will help you to know how to go about praying for the prosperity, for your prosperity, prosperity of your family, and so on. So I want to work through this psalm very quickly and get down to verse 12 where Uh, David switches gears and and begins to speak on prosperity. So he opens the psalm, Psalm 144, page 446 in the Pew Bible, verse 1. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. He opens it right away and just praises the Lord gives thanksgiving to the Lord. He's also saying, Lord, by the way, I'm talking to you. Great way to open prayer. Just thanking the Lord for who he is. That is what worship is. It's saying, Lord, this is who you are. I'm ascribing this worth to you. Verse 3, O Lord, what is a man that you care for him? The son of man that you think of him. Man is like a breath. His days are like a fleeting shadow. This kind of sounds like a very dim sort of prayer, you know, a very kind of a sad prayer, but David's just saying, God, I understand who you are, and I'm praising you for that, and I also understand who I am. I'm finite, I'm mortal, I'm, I'm temporary, I'm like a breath, and yet you think of me. So David's just coming to grips with that. Reading through from verse 5 down through verse 11, part your heavens, O Lord, and come down, touch the mountains so that they smoke, send forth lightning and scatter the enemy. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down your hand from on high. Deliver me and rescue me from the mighty waters, from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On the ten-stringed lyre, I will make music to you, to the one who gives victory to kings, who delivers his servant David from the deadly sword. Deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. In verses 7, 8, and then again in verse 11, we see David asking for deliverance. Rescue me from my enemies. Deliver me. Uh, protect me from them. Uh, we, have, we have looked at other psalms, psalms of deliverance, psalms of healing that are all requesting things similar to this. So that's why we're not going to study verses 5 through verse 11. If, if you would enjoy a message on that, you can look on our website, and the sermons are all available, entitled likewise, so you can find that instruction. So we get to the part of this psalm where David shifts gears. He's, he's praised the Lord. He said, Lord, this is who you are. This is who I am. Please rescue me. And then he, he has another request, kind of a series of requests, but they all fall under this umbrella of prosperity. And here's what he says, verse 12. It says, Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants 
and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Interesting, kind of, you know, David with that poetic speech. Uh, he's saying, I, I want our children to thrive. Lord, let our children thrive. I, I, I want our sons to grow as plants. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of awkward in, in that mindset, but he's picturing just plants that are growing everywhere and growing in strength, and it, it, the, the speech is very, very beautiful, I think, in the terms of saying, I want our sons to grow up. I want there to be many of them, and I want them to grow quickly and in strength and, and beauty. Just David appreciated God's nature, and he's saying, let our sons thrive. And then in terms of daughters, he says, may our daughters be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Um, if you were to look out here, you know, and you have these pillars that hold up our walkway, you think, well, that's not very nice. But what is David talking about? He says, I want our daughters to be beautiful. I want them to be strong and beautiful. Uh, I, pillars for a palace were not just, you know, square you know, pipes, you know, or, or wood that went straight up to hold something. They were ornate. That's why it says adorn the palace. They were a thing of beauty. There, there were all kinds of temples and palaces built, not just for the true God, but for other idols. And the, the pillars were seen as something of beauty and something of strength. And so David's saying, I want our daughters to thrive. I want our sons, I want our daughters to thrive. And if you're a parent or grandparent, you have prayed this, have you not? Certainly, you probably have not used these words, you know, help my granddaughter to be like a pillar of a palace. I mean, you can try throwing that one out, but you probably haven't used those words to date. But this is what David is praying for. And it's not just for his children, but for the children of the nation. Parents and grandparents, you want this. You want your children to thrive. Every good, loving parent and grandparent wants better for their children than they had. You want better. So that's, that's the idea. He's saying, Lord, let our sons and daughters thrive. Then in verse 13, he says, Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheeps will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of the walls. Uh, other... Um, other translations talk about our, you know, like our cattle will give uh, birth without defect or, or without trouble. Um, what's David talking about? Literally, he's saying, I, I want our storehouses, our silos to be full. I want there to be food for the nation. I want us to have an abundance of food. I also want us to have an abundance of livestock. He's saying, one, I want us to have enough to eat, more than enough to eat. I'm asking, Lord, that our nation, myself, my descendants, and the whole nation would have more than enough to eat in terms of grain and livestock. But more than that, he's also saying, I want an abundance of resources for our nation. See, back then, the, some of the most valuable things in the world were food and livestock. You were measured in terms of wealth. As you read throughout the Old Testament, you'll have these reports of people. You know, in the book of Job, it says, and Job had, and it gives a tally of the types of livestock and servants he owned. That's to indicate wealth. 
So David's saying, Lord, I, I want us to have an abundance of food, but I also want us to have an abundance of resources. This is what I'm asking for. I want this to take place. Let us have an abundance. Let our children thrive and let us have an abundance of food and resources. Because again, crops and livestock were really one of the main commodities of the day. So thirdly, in verse 14, it says, There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. This is something that we see people asking for daily in terms of television, in terms of, of just horrific things that we, we look upon through the media and, and things that happen outside of our own community that we wouldn't be aware of otherwise. We ask for this. David's praying for peace. He says, I, want, I don't want anyone to breach the walls of our city. I don't want there to be an outcry in the streets. I mean, what would happen back then if you can imagine this, there's no media, there's no television, there's no radio. If there was an attack or there was a message that needed to be delivered to the city, you just had men on horses riding through the town yelling. And people would look and they would have a, the horse would be ordained a certain way or they would be ordained a certain way to indicate they came from the king. And that's how you got the news. So an outcry in the streets isn't a riot. It's someone riding down the street saying, look out, so-and-so is attacking. Move into the walls. I mean, that's how the message got out. David's saying, I don't want to ever have to do that again. I don't want to ever send out a messenger to cry out in the streets that we're under attack. I want peace. I don't want our walls breached. I don't want there to be an outcry in the streets. And I don't want any of us going into captivity. This is what we want. What do we want? We want our descendants to thrive. We want uh, to have an abundance of resource, and, and we want peace. We don't even want the threat of violence. And David's saying, Lord, will you give that? Will you bring that to us? I'm praying and asking you for that. In verse 15, he wraps up this psalm. He says, blessed are the people of whom this is true. He said, Lord, if this is true of us, we are blessed. And he ends with this, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. With all of these things, with all of this, the request for prosperity that he's giving, he's including in that, he said, let us be focused upon you. Let our hearts, our souls be focused upon you, God. In the midst of prosperity, in the midst of peace, may we be focused upon you. This isn't the point of the message, but I, I wanted to bring this out. You know, our culture today wants everything in here except the last part. Our society, uh, our culture wants children to succeed, wants an abundance, wants peace, uh, but... To worship the one true God? Probably not. And we're, and as a society, we're looking everywhere to try to meet those three requests. Everywhere but God. The creator, the sustainer of life. We're like, I'm, I'm going to try everything. Everything that man can think of, I'm going to try. Just not God. Just not God. When God 
is the one place to go to, and, and that's where David went. Well, here it is, this prayer for prosperity. I don't know if you fall into an extreme or if you have a very healthy balance when it comes to praying for prosperity, but it's here. And if you're that person that's been afraid to ask God for you know, physical things or for the future to be better than today, don't be. Because here's David doing it. You've read it. If you're that person that is just, that's like the only thing you pray for. I mean, we've talked about other prayers, other meaningful prayers. And for all of us, I think we look at it and we go, okay, I see that, Pastor. I read that. I'll agree with you that that is how, that it is okay to pray for a better tomorrow. But how do I do that? How do I do that effectively? Because, as I said last week, it's okay for us to be a prayer rookie. It's okay for you to be a prayer rookie. It, it just start practicing. Start doing. Here's some, what, what I've entitled David's perspective. David had a perspective. As he went to ask the Lord for these things, he had a perspective that I think is critical for you and for me as we go to the Lord and ask for a better tomorrow. One, we need a right perspective on prosperity. We need a right perspective on prosperity. That's that first blank if you're taking notes in the bulletin. See, in today's culture, Russ identified it very, very easily. We identify prosperity as more. There's no finish line. It's just wherever we are, prosperity means we get more. So that we've never, we never get it. But what did... What did David ask for as he was asking for prosperity? He says, listen, I want my children to be strong and to thrive. I want us to have plenty of food. I want us to have peace. And I want us to be focused upon you, Lord. That's specifically what David identified as prosperity. So allow me to give you a test. And this isn't guilt us. I just want you to understand prosperity in terms of a a world perspective, maybe in terms of what David was thinking. One, do, do you have an extra drawer just for stuff? You know, like a junk drawer? Am I right? I, I mean, I ha- we, I, I'm th- I'll throw myself, I'll just, you know, abuse myself this morning. I don't want you feeling like I'm abusing you, right? Like, I have a toolbox just for extra tools, my wife's not here today. She's with sick kids, so I'm safe to say that because I already have another tool I want this week. So, I'm just, But I say, I got a, a drawer for that. We have that in our house. You know, some of you, some of you, okay, and I'm not getting on you. Just, don't raise your hand or, or look to your neighbor. Some of you have junk rooms. Like, it's a whole room for stuff. It's amazing. It's like the drawer wasn't deep enough, and you just, you know, like, okay, well, that, that room is... So-and-so went to college, and now that's the room. Where do you want this? That room. At this church, it's called my office. Okay, that's the junk room. No, I'm just kidding. Um, And and I don't want to go any further. I don't want to go any further. I'm tempted to say some of you have junk storage units, but I'm not going to say that. That would be mean. That would be mean, and so I wouldn't say that. That's prosperity. When you need space for things that you don't touch for months on end, that's prosperity. Certainly. And and I I know that someone else has more. I know that. You, 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 You got me on that. The rest of the world doesn't. 
in a, with a global perspective, we are so prosperous. You have no idea. You have no idea. We are prosperous in terms of what we have. Um, another test. How often do you throw away food? Freezer burn food. It didn't taste right. It was a little tough. You just couldn't eat it all. You had leftovers, but you wanted a new meal, and so you made the new meal, and then the leftovers went back. How often did you throw away food? It's past its expiration date. That's what David asked for. He says, I want the nation to have more food than we're going to eat. We have that. We have that. We are prosperous in according to what David was praying. So again, I'm not looking to make you feel bad. I'm just saying have a right perspective on prosperity. Have a right perspective on prosperity. If your perspective is more, you will never receive it. You can never get more. Every time you get there, there's something else. If your perspective is David's perspective, God's perspective, man, you have a lot to be thankful for. And we can continue to ask him for it. Um, Next, we need a right perspective on God. This is very important. Very important. I'll explain it in a minute. We need a right perspective on prosperity. We need a right perspective on God. Verses 1 through 2. David, I wanted to look at these verses again because David had a right perspective on God as he approached God to ask for a better tomorrow. Here's just a list of what he said in verses 1 through 2. God, you're my rock. You're my trainer. You're my loving kindness. You're my fortress. You're my stronghold. You're my deliverer. You're my shield. You're my refuge. God, you're it. You are God, and I look to you for everything. See, one of the things about praying for prosperity that we have to understand is we, always, we have to maintain a proper perspective. And we talked about this in the men's Bible study yesterday is that some of the times, some of the times when we experience prosperity, when it happens, we put that prosperity in the place of the provider. Imagine going to your heavenly father. Picture a heavenly father, whatever that is for you. You go to your heavenly father, and you ask for something, and he gives it to you, and you don't talk to him for months. And you spend all your time with what he gave you. Like, oh my goodness, yes, this is what I've wanted. My, you know, and, and you forget about him. You take the prosperity and you put it in the place of the provider. You, you're wor- with your time, with your emotions, you're worshiping what he gave you. And sometimes, sometimes, and I don't, this isn't all the time, I'm saying sometimes. Sometimes God knows that's going to happen. And we're begging him for something, and, 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 and an all-knowing, all-loving God says, yes, but if I give that to you, you're going to forget about me. And even that is not a selfish thought in terms of our God. Because our Savior knows the very best thing for you and the very best thing for me is a wonderful relationship with him. So why would he give us something to damage that relationship? See, that's his perspective. He knows that about us. We don't know that about us. I don't know that about me. All I can think of is I really want that. God, will you give that to me? I think it'd be great. And he knows. So sometimes, I'm not saying don't ask. We need to ask. We need to ask with the right perspective of our God. That will help us. Lastly, in terms of perspective, we need to have a right perspective on us. 
When, when we pray, we don't always get it right. That's what finite, mortal, um, I'll, I'll throw it in there, including myself, selfish people do. We don't always get it right. We're not always praying the right thing. David said in verse 3 and 4, O Lord, what is a man that you care for him, the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are a fleeting shadow. Like, God, compared to eternity, I'm nothing. And so I'm coming to you. I understand who I am. I understand I'm not going to get this perfect. That's, this is why in Romans, one of the reasons why the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The believer has received the Holy Spirit in themselves and that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. And we're going, you know, we're praying and the Spirit's going, God, what Johnny's trying to say is this. This is really what he wants. He thinks it's this thing, but what he really wants is what might come of that. And the Spirit helps us in those ways. If we have, that's what I want you to know. If we have the right perspective in terms of prosperity, in terms of God, in terms of who we are, you can pray and ask the Lord for a better tomorrow. And you can give him specifics. You can, I mean, go for it. Do it. Just keep the right perspective in your prayer. In terms of of application, Paul was writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And this is 1 Timothy chapter 6. If anyone uh, would like to take a look at that or write down the reference, whatever you want to do. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul was writing about prosperity. And he, and he wanted to just give some instruction to Timothy, the pastor of this church. And this is really instruction in terms of once we've experienced prosperity, which many of us are experiencing it right now, what are we to do with it? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. See, there's Paul repeating this idea of having the right perspective on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If I was to wrap all of this up into a little, almost a little play on words, pray to the provider for prosperity. Okay, that's the first part. Pray to the provider for prosperity in order to use the prosperity to make much of the provider. I'll read it again. I know, it was, I was like, that's too confusing. I couldn't think of something simpler, so this is what you got. Pray to the provider for prosperity. Feel free to do it. Go for it. In order to use the prosperity to make much of the provider. That's Timothy's instruction. That's Paul's desire. Ultimately, um, David was not just praying for himself either. I mean, sometimes in terms of prosperity, we only think of ourselves. David was praying for everybody. Russ invited us to pray as a church and pray for one another. And so we're going to practice this. In closing, 
I'm going to ask Dave and Paul Reynolds to come forward, and we're going to pray for their prosperity in the days to come. This is their last Sunday with us. And they told me, don't do anything special. So, but they let me pray. So I guess prayer is not special. It's okay.